Hello, clan. This episode is brought to you. Thanks to you all, actually. Thank you so much for supporting Outlander cast throughout all of the very long Droughtlander and into this season. Head on over to OutlanderCastClan.com if you'd like to help support the show, help support the podcast, and receive all different types of perks that only official members, only official members of OutlanderCastClan.com will get at their disposal. So here, my friends, is to another fantastic season of Outlander. My godson's right. We need to bide our time. The keys told us that we cannot return to Hillsborough. Well, there's good reason. Can you trust a mother? But how can I say it takes our sight? He's walking between two fires. And you? Wavering between two fires. Our cause in the one hand and your godson on the other. Where will your allegiance lie when the time comes to fight? We pray it does not come to that. If it does, we'll be ready. I have no say over my godson. And he has no say over me. But he stands with the crown. No, he stands with his people. And I stand with mine. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Sing me a song of a last song. Sing that last Welcome to another episode of Outlander Cast. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I am terribly nervous once again because <laughs> not only are we doing this on Facebook Live, this episode, we are also doing it on Instagram Live, which is over 115,000 people just watching us. Yes. Hi, welcome. So, welcome, welcome <laughs> on whatever format you are watching this live. This podcast, of course, has been going on since the beginning of Outlander on the television show. Correct. Um, so, you can always check out our previous episodes but today we're really excited to be talking about this particular episode um it's it's had a lot of a lot of chatter a lot of chatter which any episode of outlander has but this this particular episode exceptional people love it people hate it there's very few in between and we are excited to talk about it with you here i've never I, i well i can't say i never but i haven't seen this much um (laughs) <laughs> this much like fervor in the out like th- this much division in the outlander universe in a while in a, in a while <laughs> yes there, I, I just i can't believe how much division there has been concerning this episode it's been um it's been a little it's 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 actually even been a little antagonistic between people where they're like oh you like this it's crazy like then other people are saying no it's it, you know what let's all let's all have some wine Maybe we could smoke a J. I don't oh my know. Oh gosh, Blake, and, and, just, and just relax. And just relax. It's okay. As I drink my water. 
I know, I know. But you know, I, I'm happy. I'm happy to be talking about it. I'm happy to be here. And uh, so, before we get into our episode and all the things that we do here, I wanted to remind you that uh, if you like what Mary and I do and you want to help support the show, uh, obviously you can go to uh, maryandblake.com or uh, you can just check us out on our, all of our social media. Just look up Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the, the social media you can ever think of. Just look up Mary and Blake. We are there. We're there to chat. We're ready to potty. We're ready to have some fun. Go to maryandblake.com to see all of our podcasts, including our latest podcast that we're doing, which is This Is Us 2, a podcast dedicated to This Is Us. But we have many other shows, Mm -hmm. shows dedicated to Hamilton, shows dedicated to The Crown, Game of Thrones, Gilmore Gilmore Girls. Girls. Uh, It's it's all over the place. And we're even doing blogs and blog series concerning uh, The Handmaid's Tale. We, we like to a, watch TV and we like to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and we got a lot. We got a lot going on, so <laughs> yes. I, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but before we do anything else, uh, Marvin, are you ready to get into this fantastic episode? Which I, I truly it was? am. Oh, and one other thing too, we are, as we have for the past two seasons, having a finale party. Yes. I want to remind everybody that we are having a finale party, and it will be here in our hometown of Providence, Rhode Island. And we want all of you, yes. All of you, even 117,000 of you on on Instagram, to come to Providence and enjoy the uh, our wildly popular finale parties. They're, they've they've been they've grown out like out of my expectations. Agreed. It, it's been wild. It's been crazy. Of all the Outlander nerds, we had about 150 people last year. We can we can definitely fit more. Um, it, all the Outlander nerds getting together, having fun, watching Outlander the finale. Having some booze, listening to some good music, and uh, just chatting, having fun. So consider that, and it will more than likely be hopefully May third. Oh my gosh! If it is, I'll be so excited because that's my birthday weekend. (laughs) Hold on tight, guys. Hold on tight. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll have we'll have some fun. And remember, we're having the finale party in May, and we're going to be all getting together. All right, Marvin, you ready for this? Yes, I am. All right, let's uh, let's do it. All right, Blake, teach me some of the fun facts about this episode of Outlander. Well, the uh, title for this episode was Between Two Fires. Now, Between Two Fires is actually uh, what was referenced in the beginning of our uh, the clip that we played here. Murtaugh says it to his to his followers. But really, I think it's about a, a lot of the relationships that are in this episode, whether it is Claire and her relationship to time, uh, her relationship to uh, Bree and Roger, uh, her relationship to to Jamie, obviously Jamie and Murta, uh, Jamie and and Roger. It, it, it's all it all kind of plays together here. So I think it's a pretty fitting title for this episode. It was written by Tony Graffia and Luke Skelhas. And now Luke Skelhas came into the show in season three. And Tony Graffia, as we all know, is kind of the co-showrunner with Matt Roberts as of this moment. And she's been on the staff since season one. Now, Tony has written many of my favorite episodes. Uh, she ha- well, Rent is not one of my favorite episodes, but she uh, she wrote <laughs> Rent, The Devil's Mark, which is one of my favorites. The Watch, La Dame Blanche, Faith, Faith is fantastic, so heavy. Uh, Dragonfly and Amber of Lost Things, which many people really love. Freedom and Whiskey is also one that people love. Eye of the Storm, America the Beautiful, which is one of my favorites. 
uh, Man of Worth and this one. She's also going to be writing the finale uh, with Matt Roberts, who is the showrunner. And Luke Skelhaas, like I said, is relatively new. His his tight, his uh, his credits include Heaven and Earth, The Bakra, Wilmington, The Deep Hots Core, and obviously this one. This is the first episode that these two have written together Mm -hmm. this is the first pairing between the two and usually when you have a pairing uh between two people generally one person takes like the first half of the episode and then the other person takes like let's say the second half of the episode and if if one person is really good at writing dialogue or if one person's really good at writing action or or uh tone or whatever they they write their own bits they come together and they say okay here's what i've got here's what i've got let's make this work yeah and uh so but generally somebody takes the parts that they're really good at and then they meld it together with the other and the showrunner is really responsible for making it all gel perfectly love that so that's usually how these pairings work now the director of this episode was Stephen Wolfenden uh, who directed the season 3 finale uh, I'm sorry the season 4 finale of Outlander Man of Worth mm-hmm. and then also he directed the season 5 premiere The Fiery Cross so uh, those are the details love it Marvin what do you got for your kilt rating. Okay, my kilt rating for this episode. Now, last episode, the premiere episode, I gave a whopping five kilts on a scale from one to five kilts. If you're joining us here live on Facebook and Instagram, let us know what your kilt rating is for fun. <laughs> but this episode, I'm giving 4.8. So still a stellar episode. Not I didn't like it as much as last week's episode, but that's not a bad thing. It still was really great. How about you? I am giving this one a four six. Um, f- like you, Mary, I liked this episode. I did not like it as much as the premiere. Um, I- I'm listen. I'm going to come straight out. I'm okay. Gonna come straight out and say I'm a Tony Graffia guy. Yes, you ever are. Since her, ever since her writing on <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. I mean, Battlestar Galactica. I'm surprised you don't have your, your Funko Pop of Starbuck out right now. I, in... I was thinking about doing it. Okay. I, I was thinking about doing it. Uh, but yeah, I... Um, ever since her, her time on, on Battlestar Galactica, I've loved her. She is... Despite what many people think or have said as of late, she is a world-class writer. And uh, she's written... Many, 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 many great episodes of television, <laughs> especially on one of the top five shows of all yes. time, BSG. Yes. So I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, but I think that the thing that I really like about this episode, even the tone, while the tone of this episode was okay, like it was, um, it was a lot of up, a lot of down, and in between. Uh, I I still think what what Tony did was that um, she captured and she managed to get all the little things that make Outlander special and highlighted them, whether it's the time travel aspect of it, uh, the, the medical drama of it all, uh, the, the, the pure relationship building of Outlander and why we actually care about these people. I think she did a really good job considering all of the story that she has to um, cram in. That she has to cram in. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. So, a lot of things needed to be laid down in this particular episode. So while I didn't like it as much as the premiere, I, I did quite like this episode. What's Agreed. your uh, What's your uh, GBG? Okay, my GBG, and for those of you who are new here, um, are good, are bad, and are great for the episode. If you're joining us live, we want to know your GBGs. My good for this episode was Roger and the fluff, Tufty Fluffy Tail Club. <laughs> Please sign me up. Uh, if people in Scotland, can you let me know? Is this like is this real? Is this a thing that is still going on? Because Smokey the Bear really doesn't 
have much presence here in in the states anymore. So mm-hmm. I want to know, like, is is Tufty still a thing? <laughs> I would love to get. We need a Tufty shirt Ooh. in the Marion Blake store. Uh, I yep, that, there we go. That's it. Sold. Um, between Roger and bread, that was bread porn. If I've ever seen uh. bread porn, <laughs> I have been craving bread. For so long now because of that episode, <laughs> I want to make bread. I'm terrible at making anything in the kitchen. I want to make bread. I want to eat bread. I want to melt butter on bread. And I'm just watching Claire just ripping up this bread and setting it under the... Where'd she get all those glass jars? <laughs> I don't even know how, how Claire has so many things already in her possession. Anyway, I'm drooling already. Yes. So Roger and bread are my goods for the episode. <laughs> my bad for the episode. Murtaugh is the worst at hide and seek. The worst. Oh, yes. Okay, if he played Manhunt when he was 12, he lost all the time. He did not learn how to hide where they, <laughs> where they can't find you. He's just like, oh, does that mean in the center of town without cutting off my hair or dying it? I was ready for him to do, what was that movie with Julia Roberts when she's hiding from her ex-husband and she cuts off all her hair and she dresses like like a man to go visit her mom? Oh, sleeping with the enemy. Yeah, sleeping with the enemy. I was oh, yeah. ready for Murtad to do that. I was ready for him to go dye his hair with mud, chop off his ponytail, wear something different but no there he is with his silver fox locks just hanging out in the middle of town not hiding at all poor yes. job Marta. Yep. and then my great is Marsley um, book readers know that the direction of Marsley's character in this particular episode specifically has taken a big shift um, and I am so down with it I am really loving this character I mean we've been loving her since we were introduced to Marsley we just love her sass we we love the actress who portrays her um, and I'm really really excited to see how this goes however rumor on the street is that is not how you cut up uh, a deer. Oh, really? I think that was was that a deer or, or was that goat, a wolf? Whatever, whatever it was. Whatever it, a wolf. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Oh. I don't. I don't remember. It was some animal that she was going to eat. And rumor on the street from people who know how to hunt, they said that was not correct. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, something I like to say, uh, especially for stuff like that, is stats are for nerds. Okay. I mean, you get the idea what they're trying to. Accomplish. But we're nerds. Yeah. But but stats are for nerds. Okay. So what was your GBG for this episode? All right, my good was uh, Masoli. Uh, her reaction to the dead body and uh, her saying, don't make me say it. Don't make me ask it uh, when she's talking about uh, leg hair and uh, asking if 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 Claire is going to be a witch. Is she really a witch? The whole thing. It took me a moment. Yeah. I didn't know what she was getting at. Don't don't make me ask it. Don't. And I'm like, ask what? What do you <laughs> what do you even think is going to be like? Yeah, that right. was hysterical. Just uh, the reference back to yeah. are you a witch? I know, was I, my mom right all along? I loved that. That was awesome. Yeah, because it brings in uh, you know the. Um, it, it brings in the, the, the first few seasons. It brings in that relationship. It also shows just a tad still little bit of distrust uh, from, from Masoli's side about Claire, even though they, I'm sure that they have a great relationship and whatever, but there's just still that little inkling there. And that says a lot more than what it's actually saying. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I love the fact that Masoli is brought in as Claire's assistant. And I like it, or at least potentially, and I like it because it gives Masoli something more than just to be concerned mom. Well, let's be or real. Con- she's got her wife. hands full. Right. Um, she's got kids and she's got the whole thing. And you know, I want to know what kind of pl- pack and play situation she has for all these wee bairns and the one that she's about to have, because maybe that's what Fergus is doing. 
What do you mean? We didn't see Fergus in this episode. Oh yeah, we did. We we saw him briefly. Remember, Clea says, "Hey, Fergus, yeah, let me let me talk to the person in charge here." And he like he's like, and he took the kid. He, he took the kid and he walked off. He's the manny. <laughs> he's the manny. <laughs> okay, he absolutely is the manny. Love it. I would love Fergus as my manny. Oh uh, yeah, he's he's great. Um, so I, I I think I think he's making whiskey, but I yeah. think I think the choice of having Masterly join Claire. Uh, is not only good for the character itself and uh, keeping her involved in the story, but again, it it d- it delivers on an idea of relationships. Any good show, any good writing is based on relationships and how do those relationships evolve and how do they interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to care about Masterly, she better be interacting with Claire or she better be interacting with, with Jamie or something along those Someone lines. Someone who I care about immensely. Agreed. Right. And it gives her something to do other than be being concerned wife, concerned mom. And I think that's the right choice. Uh, the bad for me. Now, I know I said I was a Tony Graffia honk uh, earlier and I definitely am. I definitely am. However, a big however is my bad is that there was some over explaining in this episode. Uh, and Overexplain like sometimes you just gotta let things be. Sometimes you just gotta let things sit. And it really happened a lot with Jamie and uh the prisoners during in the jail scene. It happened You didn't like that? No, it's not that I didn't like okay. the scene. It's just overwritten. Okay. Um and the same thing goes here with, with Murtaugh and his guys, where you, where they're like, Oh, he's between two fires. And Sometimes just let that sit. Like I've been watching Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to catch up for the premiere of season five. And that show is masterful at just saying a line, having its intent, and then letting it sit. Don't don't over explain things. Because what's tough is, is I wonder how much the writer's room sits there and says, okay, has everyone been doing a rewatch? Does everyone know who these characters are? Or do we need to expect the majority of the viewers of season five have not watched Outlander since the finale of season four and never picked it back up again? Do we need to remind them? (laughs) Well, no, but like, it's just like, oh, he's between two fires. Yeah. And so are you. You know, you're going to be loyal to us when we're fighting. Yeah. I'm going to be loyal to you. like, I would be asking that. I, I know, but it, this this is art. This isn't necessarily real life. Like this, just sometimes you just got to let things. And like when Jamie is talking to the prisoners, he's like, "Listen, I believe in my thing, and mm-hmm. oh, we believe in ours too, and we're gonna we're gonna go get everybody." Blah blah blah. blah. Like you should uh, that conflict that already exists. It's baked into it. Mm-hmm. Allow that to breathe. You know, just let someone say something and have it there. But the great, the great, and I have a tie here. The tie is Jamie and Murtaugh's parallel journey. Um, both of them are in between, like like the title says, between two fires. They're they're trying to navigate this very thin red line of being loyal to each other and loyal to their causes, loyal to their families. Because you can see the regulators becoming somewhat of Murta's family now. Uh, they have to navigate this thing and and hunt each other, but not hunt each other at the same time. And they have to believe in their causes. But maintain their relationship somehow, some way, and or not maintain, at least respect it. And that parallel journey for the two of them is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it immediately gives us conflict, and it immediately gives us um, a way in to this conflict with the regulators. Uh, but the other part that I really liked the, the for the great uh, was the opening and the ending. You know, openings for television shows or specifically movies, but openings are usually meant 
to give us a taste of what's to come. And this episode, the opening with the the the, the little figurine—well, not little, but the 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 straw man catching on fire, and the, the ransacking the town, and mm-hmm. it's Murtai, and it's it's tarring and feathering people. It, like that, th- this is no joke. Yeah, it is absolutely no joke. And the ending also succeeded very well too, mm-hmm. because the endings for shows and and sometimes movies, but really for shows, are meant to propel you forward. They're meant to give you something to go go on to for the next episode, mm-hmm. uh, especially in serialized TV like this. Ending with <laughs> Stephen Bonnet, who is just as crazy and just as violent and just as ugly as what we saw in the beginning, and ending with it. And him saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're uh, you know I, I got I have to live up better because I'm a I'm a father now." Like this was like, "Oh, you had fun at the wedding last episode. Guess what? Right, right. Stuff's getting real." So I would say that the ending and the way that it began and the way that it ended gave us a real sense of what's to come, and it's propelling us forward because of that. It was fan freaking. Fantastic. So what do you got, Marvin? Let's uh, let's dive into this bad boy. What do you have? Okay, well, I just need to get something off my chest. Okay, what do you got? There were several things that I was looking very forward to from the book that did not happen the way that I thought they were going to happen in this episode. They took them and they were like, we're going to acknowledge something and then we're going to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of uh, in the first book and in the first se- season when Claire fights a wolf <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, it really, we just hear like a little Ooh, in the distance at that moment. That's like the nod to the book readers. So I really enjoy the little moments on the Ridge. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the moments of the interaction of all the people who are on the Ridge. I love a lot of the things that happened um, with Roger and I, I just needed to get that off my chest because when I so you know when I when I thought what was going to happen this episode some of my favorite little moments that I like love and I savor they happened differently and that's okay and mm-hmm. I just have to get it off my chest and I feel like a lot of book readers feel that way so I am looking at this episode saying all right I love you book I'm putting you aside because a lot of yeah. things are different um, and that being said uh, it was like. Creme de menthol over again. Oh, whoa, whoa. And the Time fact out. that Claire Time goes out. crazy, okay? Claire's like, I need to cut people open. No, I'm no. a crazy scientist. In the sense that you can't do these kind of things, Claire. Why not? Because people are going to think you're crazy. That's why she's doing it in secret. Honey, do you, did you see... Mrs. Bug just walk on in talking about bread. Luckily, Claire's door is locked right now. That's what I'm saying. But is it a key lock? Like, can she lock it when she's not there? There's <laughs> a hell know. of a lot of people on that ridge. I and here's know. just this cadaver flayed open, okay, just ready to go. Got a sheet like a, on it. Like a, not, not all the time. <laughs> it's like a, a, t- a chicken, a rotisserie chicken. There you go. You get to check them on out. And I love that she's now doing it when Jamie's away. Like, part of me wonders, did sneaky little Claire be like, hmm, I've got a dead body and Jamie's not going to be around for a little bit. So he won't get mad at me like he did in Creme de Menthe. Yeah, no, I am. I am out on this creme de menthe thing. It was an entirely different situation. She was trying to save the guy. No, she wasn't trying to save him. She knew he was a dead cause. She wanted to rest assured that she was right because it is important to Claire and it would drive her bonkers if she didn't 
check because she knew she could check and, and have a quick little thing. I don't know. I'm just, I'm out on that. I'm out on the comparison. Listen, this is a guy. This is a guy. Mm-hmm. His family just buried him. Roger saying to <laughs> They're going to put him in there later anyway. What does it matter? That was just, he didn't have the little heart on his ID saying, sure. <laughs> you can si- I'm use an my, donor. Yeah, I'm an organ donor. You can use my body for science. And I just think that it's Claire with what I appreciate. And I, I'm, I don't like blood. I would never be a nurse. I would never really like want to care about these kind of things. It's just, I get so grossed out by it. But I'm just so, um, I'm impressed by Claire's determination that the science is so strong in her mm-hmm. that she says, screw it. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I like about this. Claire doesn't It give, makes me uncomfortable. It, Claire gives zero Fs. Her Fs account is on overdraft. But she's especially doing it, I think, because Jamie's not home and oh, he probably. would have reprimanded her. I, I would probably tend to agree with you on that one. Uh, in he would have said, I'll get you out. Why don't you practice on the deer outside that Marsley's cutting wrongly? But the thing I like about it is that Claire, and, and uh, this is something that I want to I I put a pin in this conversation just a little bit, but the thing that I like about it is that Outlander has been a show that has obviously been dedicated to time travel, and uh, that's part of the show, the, the time travel aspect of it all. And there are repercussions to the time travel aspect of it all, right? So um, I think because of that, um, because of the time travel aspect of it all there have to be there have to be repercussions and there have to be um there there have to be <sighs> rules and claire doesn't give a flying f about the rules for outlander mm-hmm. and you know having said all that i i think that's that's awesome for her character that's awesome for her character i think i, I love that mm-hmm. because it just makes sense for her, right? Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Uh, and no, it, it, she has zero. I don't know why I'm saying mm-hmm, I'm, I'm, well, I'm being distracted has, by something, but yeah, she has zero abandon, and that's what I like about it. She's just taken it under her own uh, accord, and that I think that's good. I think that's good for that character because that, to me, fits within the character, um, with within the character that's written for the show, and that's the problem that we're having. I think with a lot of people, they're saying Claire wouldn't do that. Claire wouldn't do that's X, why y, I just had things. to get that off my chest. I had to get that off my chest that there were some things that were different mm-hmm. uh, that I was really looking forward to little moments. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know if this is how <laughs> I would have expected things to have gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to take a step back and see it just through the show. Yeah, and I think that's the most important part of it all. It's like you have to see it through the show's eyes. Just because Book Claire wouldn't do it, and you think that Book Claire wouldn't do it, doesn't mean that Show Claire would. And it's something that we've talked about on, on Blake's Book Club a lot, which is um, intent and execution. Uh, by the way, if you want to listen to Blake's Book Club, I t- I, I've read the previous, I've read Dragonfly and Amber and Outlander. I talk about them. Um, the intent and the execution of it all is important. It's important because you can give us something that's relatively similar to the ideas that, that the book is trying to accomplish, but just execute it differently. That's the whole point, right? That's, that's the point of an 
adaptation. And while there were th- certain things in the book of like, let's say Dragonfly and Amber that I really liked that wasn't in the episode that weren't in the episodes, it doesn't mean that the episodes were bad. It just means that they were different. And uh, that's where I'm, I'm feeling on that. And, and here's the other thing too. The show Outlander has become a different style show. It's no longer just, it's no longer Scotland porn. It's no longer knee porn. It's no longer, um, let's see the beauty of Scotland and horses and, 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 and like traipsing around and fighting the English. And, Listen, it was not lollipops and sunshine. Well, no, what I'm saying is the show has evolved into something else entirely. It's now become a colonial period piece, essentially, mm-hmm. right? It's become something uh, that is completely different from what it used to be. Correct. And the reason why that is, is because of Jamie and Claire. The, the first few seasons became what they were because you were trying to make sure that Jamie and Claire were going to be together. How were they going to get together? Were they going to get married? How are they going to stay together? Is she going to go back in time? Is she going to go back to Frank? That's what that, that's what the show was. But now Jamie and Claire have their own healthy, viable, beautiful marriage. They're stable. They have a, they have kids. They have grandkids. Now the show has to do something else on top of all of that. Now it it can't just rip Claire and Jamie apart, be like, okay, this is our show. Outside forces have to come in, like the war, the regulators, uh, disease, all this stuff. And it has to maneuver around those things. Would you say that the episode would do that? Or that this episode has done that properly? Creating this new endeavor, this new journey? Yes. I don't know. I will come back to you on that comment in a few episodes to see how I feel. I enjoyed this episode. Once I removed myself from my previous feelings mm-hmm. and watched it, I feel pretty good about a lot of this. Okay. But I will save my judgment about this new journey and this new route that they're taking probably till the end of this season. And then I'll let you know how I feel about it. I will say that that surgery must be so stinky. And I don't think anybody appropriately (laughs) acted like a stench as they entered that room. Yeah. I don't think it was clear as to how much time had passed. No matter what, a dead body is a dead body. Uh, Yeah. But I mean, it still has to smell probably within 24. It was at least, it was at least during that time. They had to still bury him. All that stuff. I was nervous. I, I will tell you this. With the reactions that people were giving online, mm-hmm. I was afraid that it was going to be some next level chopping. I was afraid it was going to be like um, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was like, oh, Marcy, I see you're really good with a knife. Come on in here. <laughs> because everyone was saying, oh my gosh, Mary, I, I don't like blood. I don't like blood. I don't usually like the surgery kind of bits. So I was prepared for the worst. Mm-hmm. And it was just the cadaver most of the, the just open ready to go sure i was okay with that and and that's fine mary was like oh my god like she was reacting similar similarly to marcely (laughs) she's like like when it it all first happened mean brie uh uh to brie i'm sorry to brie yeah Yeah, not marcely i apologize i was at saint Clair's a witch yeah Uh, yeah um and i i loved brie's honest reaction like oh my oh and you know the whole thing uh what did you think about brie trying to convince claire uh all for not really um about her ability to man- manipulate time and what happens in history. 
she is was it annoying to you or was it just uh, do you think it was natural for that character and it was written well what do you think so my book mind says no this does not make any sense because brie integrates uh future engineering knowledge into their lives mm-hmm. um but, but that no, hasn't no. fully well been established with the show so that's what i'm saying like this episode in particular i've had to be like okay book go over there and let's talk about it from Bree's per- like from just what they're telling me so far show Bree. i think it's fine because we don't have jamie being the voice of reason, being like, do you remember that witch trial situation we went through? <laughs> and I feel like that's what Brie is trying to do right now, mm-hmm. trying to warn her mom. And I think that we need to have this warning from somebody. So if we're not, if Marshley's going to be brought in as an apprentice, yep. um, we do, I, I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy the conversation of, can we do this? You've tried to change the past several times before and it hasn't worked. Yeah. Do you think that you can have penicillin just like under the radar and not be the one that invents it and just help people out? Like what is going on? And is this really something you should be doing? I saw it more as I'm worried about you, mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, which I think Jamie would have brought up if Jamie was home. But this is why Claire's being a little naughty while he's gone. You know, and as, as I think overwritten as it was a tad i i do think the questions that brie brings up are responsible questions agreed uh especially you know making pseudonyms uh giving out this information but again i love claire's answer to that oh my gosh claire sitting down and writing a million of those little pamphlets yes girl <laughs> she ain't messing a around mission she's like how many more days is jamie gone good i think i can write a hundred of these <laughs> <laughs> She is cramming in. Uh, what is she? What coffee is she drinking? Oh, Think she, about all the letters she wrote. How many freaking things of bread did she make? How big is a roughin? <laughs> how many? Claire is on a mission in this episode. That's a lot episode. of rolling out dough. That's a lot of flour. Well, she's cutting up some guy. Where are you getting all that yeast? Seriously. <laughs> oh my goodness. Are you using active yeast? Or are you using passive yeast? Like, what are we doing here? I think she's just so excited. She's She's... This is Claire's passion. Aside from the love of her family, mm-hmm. this is Claire's passion. And she has felt stifled for so much of her life because she was female and, you know, through all these different things that she's gone through. And now she's back being a female in the olden times and mm-hmm. not able to truly stand up for what she knows. And she's got this hunger inside of her to make such a difference. Right. And I appreciate that in Claire. Claire, you're going to get yourself in trouble, Well, that's honey. what Claire does. I know. Claire, Claire has always done things too quickly, said too many things, yes. too loudly. and that's, Just left dead bodies out. Just leaving stuff. Listen, I understand that you know people around her aren't going to like it, but she, she, no, she's not saying anything. And by the way, another great thing about this, mm-hmm. the fact that she, there's a sense of urgency for Claire right now. After last episode where she was just kind of MIA, in this episode... Oh, Claire was having drinks. That's Everybody what in the club getting tipsy. Yeah. She was just having fun, man. In this episode, she ain't screwing around. She and switched I love her the resolve. coffee. I love the resolve that she had. I don't care. I'm going to protect everybody here. And if it means that I have to grow penicillin with friggin' bread then that's what I'm going to do. In glass jars, which doesn't make any sense, but oh, so okay. What? Again, stats of a nurse. No, I'm just... It's- <laughs> stats of a nerd. Who cares? Claire's a nerd. She's no better. Oh, God. All right. Um, let's... 
let's uh, you know you brought up the all the blood and all of it the wasn't stuff. that bad well no it wasn't all that bad but i mean in comparison to previous episodes it was relatively heavy and i'll tell you what i liked it I liked it. And, I don't need that much more blood. And I, I liked I liked all the cutting. I liked all the surgery. I liked the poking and prodding. And I even liked the stuff with Stephen Bonnet. And I'll tell you why. Because just as we said that there are, that this that this time uh, and the, these people are, uh, like the regulators are no joke. Mm-hmm. This time in Outlander right mm-hmm. now, where we are, the, in colonial America with all these people, the regulators, Stephen Bonnet, this is no joke. This is dangerous. This is brutal. It can be brutal. It can it can be very bloody. It can be very violent. All of this would be fixed if they just moved to Boston. <laughs> they would leave Stephen Bonnet. They would leave. Granted, they'd have to leave the Ridge. Yeah, you can't leave the Ridge. Just ship up to Boston. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> as much as I love that song, I will not play it right now. I know. Um, The show is going off in different ways. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this this show and the the surroundings are brutal. And they can be very violent. And it should be violent. It should be. You should be seeing all of the stuff. Bonnet is terrifying. Exactly. So when he's cutting that guy's face, and I don't know if he was just cutting his nose or his eyes. I closed my eyes. What did he cut? Did he cut his eye? Did he just cut his nose? That guy is going to have a serious scar. Uh, yeah, he will have uh, if vitamin honey won't fix that. <laughs> he ain't gonna fix that. <laughs> honey will not fix that. Um, so we're here with Stephen Bonnet now, and I we'll we'll put a pin in him for a little bit because the effect that he is having on on Bree, on Bree and in turn Roger, I think is also a fantastic thing for this show. Uh, you need a. You can only measure evil by good, mm-hmm. and you can only measure them against each other. And as much as we love Roger and Bree, we have to have somebody that is as equally bad and antagonizing. And the fact that he's making this so personal, the fact that uh, Bree, Bree is having these dreams so much so that mm-hmm. she has to draw his face like to, to just get it out of her brain. Yep. I am in on this because, again, Clarify. you can measure evil against good, but that, that relationship – that relationship is um, measured against Stephen Bonnet. So would would you agree that having Bonnet into the show this early is the right choice and yes. what it does for Roger and yes. Bree? Why? Um, well, we already got notice that Bonnet's around and Bree already heard it. So yes, if we had the episode with her drawings and Roger finding it, which I loved that, by the way, um, that would still be okay. But I like I like to know where he is. You know, rather than just a whispering mm-hmm. that he's around, um, I like to see what he's up to. I like that we got Pippin back. Yeah, we got Pippin, dude. It's no coincidence <laughs> that Pippin's gonna go in business with Stephen Bonnet. The, the, mm-mm, if mm-mm. only he knew that the, his lady love that he was wooing, that this gentleman defiled her. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Uh, what, it, oh, seeing that combo, like, and seeing that whole scene um i felt so uncomfortable mm-hmm. you forget with last week's episode of the merriment i forgot how on edge bonnet makes me feel on screen yes. reading him was one thing um seeing bonnet on screen 
has been a completely different experience for me. And I, I am happy they brought him in because um, I'm, it gave me that anxiety that I felt like I could bring Brie's shoes. I, fi- I find I have a hard time connecting with Brie on mm-hmm. screen. Um, and, you know, we obviously know that she's going through this and she does have some PTSD. But by seeing Bonnet in that fight, cutting whatever he cut, nose, eye, whatever, everything, it gave us a little, you know, kind of viewership PTSD. Sure, sure. I would agree. Um, but I, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing as as viewers because... You know, I've I've always said that Black Jack Randall was my favorite character in Outlander, and that's the truth. That's that's still the case, and it's still the case because what he did for Jamie and Claire, what he did to antagonize them, but but specifically Claire, how he changed her, she, mm-hmm. he made her do things that she would otherwise never normally do, mm-hmm. and not only did he affect the character, but he affected the plot in meaningful ways. The same, Stephen Bonnet is doing the same exact thing. Yes. And because of that, his he's electrifying. As soon as you see him, he's capable of doing anything. He's capable of doing anything. Mm-hmm. And that wild card aspect of it makes him a fantastic character. And a sociopathic character, just like Black Jack Randall, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, those final lines, yeah. those final lines of I'm a father now, like, Whoa! Like my favorite part about wow. it is something I don't know if you expected because you have you've struggled with liking Roger throughout season four, yes, and you're slowly starting to a large part because you read um, Dragonfly and Amber, so you've gotten uh, yes. to know some more book knowledge of Roger, but still show Roger you had a little distance with. What's interesting is that you know here's show Roger just trying trying his darndest to be a good man a good dad provide in some way shape or form for his family yep. and he does not yet know that bonnet's out there oh no no he does not and here's bonnet i'm a father now oh. what is this going to do to roger <laughs> to help him feel like he can take care of his family mm-hmm. he can't even shoot tufty flufty <laughs> How the heck is he going to shoot Bonnet? Oh, Tufty Fluffy. What is the I name? Tufty Fluffy Tail? I'm I, like, whatever. I don't care. I can't wait to make the shirt. I'm so excited. Tuff, as soon as this podcast is done, I'm making tail. a Tufty shirt. Um, well, speaking of, I have a spectacular outlandish theory about Roger and all of this. So I'm going to leave that there. Um, People on Facebook are telling me it's okay to cover it. I don't. I don't know enough about moldy bread. I eat it too quickly, guys. I don't let my bread get so, moldy. So, yeah, stats okay. of nerds again. Okay. Stats okay. for nerds. Okay. Um, the Roger in this episode again. They're in major triage still. Uh, they are. <laughs> they're. They're definitely attempting to fix Roger. Whether it's him singing to the baby or it's uh, him um, being there with Brianna and like just loving on her and she loving on him. And then even also seeing the sketch of Brianna's and still not saying anything. This character is being improved and it's being improved because of his relationship with Brianna. And that, that one little tiny scene where he walks out and there are these small moments, the small things that make relationships work, especially with Brianna and Roger. And that being number one, when she says, oh, look at the baby walking. Like, this is our baby. Mm. Like, now, even though he's already, like, kind of 
iffy about it like he's because he saw bonnet's yeah, face he just saw it he, not only his face but like multiple times again it, and this this is what makes the writing so special because they're focusing on these small moments it's not just plot 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 you know it is wow our, our kid is walking look at this or the conversations that jamie is having with lieutenant knox you know where it, 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 knox is a mirror for for jamie mm-hmm. uh and the fact that those two can even relate to each other on any level c- considering let me tell you considering the first three seasons jamie's just being kind oh i know but the fact that they <laughs> they can actually sit down and have a conversation about the the about james King Fraser can have a conversation with anybody and thank goodness he has that skill because you know when you have to make conversation with someone who you're just like you are the last person I want to talk with right now. Right. <laughs> well, you know the funny thing is the last thing that Roger wants to do is stay in this time period, mm-hmm. and I find that fascinating as well. I find that fascinating because we're having conflict on 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 multiple levels here. But Roger's relationship to time and where he wants to be, he knows he's useless. He can't he can't he can't shoot Fluffy, Tufty, whatever that, whatever the heck the freaking name is. He wants Boston cream tufty, pie, Tufty, Fluffy, Tuff, tail. Tufty, Fluffy tail. Sure, um, he knows that he can't do anything, and he knows I'm just better off being in the future. Let's go back into let's go back to the future, right? What are we doing? Um, that relationship dynamic between the two is spectacular. And then what do you think about Claire being like, hey, I think you guys should go back to the future too. Yes, 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 yes. As a matter of fact, this is what I'm going to play. Bam! Just like that. A winner! Yes! Because Claire is taking her oath of protecting everybody and keeping everybody, everybody safe very, very seriously. She knows. She knows that Roger is, he, he's an LD. Okay. It's a healthy. Uh, a limp. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm yeah. Blake. No, people don't talk like this. <laughs> well, he is. Uh, and that's okay. But she knows it. And she knows that they're all better off in the future. And so in keeping with her oath of everybody came here because of me. I didn't ask anybody to come here because of me. I didn't want anybody to come here because of me. I came here for myself. And I like the fact that she acknowledged that. I think that's excellent. What do you think? You know, once again, just like stepping back um, out of out of book into the show, I love it. I love the fact that she really is worried. She just saw some gentleman be poisoned and also die from something that could have been a quick fix if it was in the future. Mm-hmm. And now she has this grandbaby. You know, Claire, as I said, Claire went from drinking all the whiskey in the earlier episodes, making all the bad choices, to now I think she's having too much coffee and is making, you know, she's, her brain's going a million miles a minute trying to think how she can help and heal as many people as possible. This is one of her life's passions. And now there's this wee bairn in her life mm-hmm. who could, as she said, get a simple cut. Right. And she can't. And that's it. The, the guilt that Claire will have if anything happens to these members of her young family mm-hmm. when she knows it could be something that she could prevent will in my opinion would be too much for her to bear yeah um yes it's too much for him for her to bear and i think it's too much for roger to to carry i think it's too much for him to carry except Bree. Bree's all set, but Bree's the tough one, and I and like he knows how to shoot. She does know how to shoot. <laughs> he knows how to ride. And I, you know, the, I, her reasoning, 
her reasoning for keeping them in the in the uh, in the 1700s is well, we're not gonna we're not gonna have to worry about car crashes. Well, yeah, I, I know. But like her dad died in a car crash. That was my that was my next thing. Okay. I was, be I was, sensitive. I was gonna say that. To Frank. I loved the under the underpinning, the underlying meaning of that conversation, yeah. which is Frank died in a car accident and she's very sensitive to that. But yeah, I know. You're not gonna die in car accidents, but you got fifteen million other things to worry about that you wouldn't have to worry about in the future. Like measles. I don't know. Um like typhoid, like anything that you could die of in Oregon Trail, you're gonna die of at, at, at Fraser's Ridge. It's gonna happen. Oh my gosh, all those ailments! I that game gave me so much anxiety when I was what eight. <laughs> <laughs> so nervous. So, you know, I'm loving the dynamic to, between Claire and Roger. I've always loved that dynamic on on show, especially I, on screen. I've loved seeing Claire and Roger have little moments to themselves, yeah. and it is great as she's an advocate of his to Jamie. Um, now Jamie, let's get with poor Jamie. Jamie, who has no idea what mad scientist Claire's been up to right now. <laughs> I, just, you know, but I love I love Claire for it because honestly, I do. I would do the same thing in my own way. I wouldn't be doing medical things. But if you were gone for a while and there were things that I wanted to do. I'd do them while Blake was gone. Of course you would. And I would not sleep. I'd be up all night breaking all that bread. (laughs) (laughs) Forging up letters left and right. This is one of the things that I love about Claire. Gosh, she's such a determined woman. Um, So poor Jamie. Jamie's out now with all these red coats. Okay? Lord John Gray, if he only knew how much time Jamie was hanging out with Lieutenant Knox, Mm -hmm. he'd be so jealous. (laughs) Right? He'd be like... What are you doing? Jamie's probably thinking, I can't believe I have to make conversations with this dope who's just like, huh, is that how you feel? And then Jamie just says it right back to him. Did you right. love that? I did love that. And Et tu, Brute? You can see Jamie manipulating Knox. Uh, Jamie uh, uh, clearly is, a, a, even though Knox is you know, an officer in highly ranked within the British Army, he he's a total dweeb he's he is a dork he reminds me he's a total dork of the guys in the pirates of the caribbean the ones who like watch <laughs> the boat sail away yeah. and they, they talk. start arguing with each other yeah. and while, while jack sparrow's making Taking off the boat, with the boat commandeering the boat <laughs> the commandeering guys yeah, that's yeah. what i picture him like yeah, absolutely. freaking lootly oh my god when he stabbed that poor man oh yeah you know and that got me more than the kid, like the, the autopsy. Part. Why? Like what? What about the stabbing? What do you think it was? I did. Think did you like it in general for TV aspect? I love Jamie Fraser so much, and you feel you. I think I connected. I think I connected so much with Jamie in this episode, not on a personal level. Like I've gone through these things, but I just sat there, and we all know how between two fires Jamie is, and how he has to be acting this part, like actually sleeping, eating, drinking with these people, and yet trying. You know, he tries to go in there first. Right. He tries everything he can. He's desperately hoping that Murta has learned how to play hide and seek. Okay. And, and he knows that Murta sucks at hide and seek. So he's like, he's probably one of the three caught. He's, he's doing everything he can to do this juggling act that he's knows he's going to fail at. Mm-hmm. And when the gentleman was pierced, I felt for Jamie. Yeah. I felt he, Jamie's yeah. It got horror. out of his control. Yes. It got out of his control. And he knew any, he, he, and something just 
took over Knox, and that was that was that. And like, and Knox isn't a bad guy, and and that's another I think special thing that the show is doing. Just because you're a British soldier doesn't mean that you're a bad dude. It it doesn't mean that. It just means that you are fighting on the British side, and having Knox. Even though he did stab this dude, and but you could see the regret afterwards, where he's like, "But not really." Y- uh, yes, no, because then he says, "I gave him a soldier's death." I think I gave he him had, more than he deserved. Yeah, no, I I think there was a moment of, "Oh my gosh, what did I just do?" I hope I don't get in trouble. No, I think it was well, more fear of trouble because he then went off saying, "I gave him a soldier's death." I don't think he has much I mean, regret. I, I mean, think he's yes proud no. of himself that he killed a Scot. No, I don't. I don't think so. And I, and I, and I, regulator. Dis- I disagree with that. I disagree with that on a very fundamental level because what he eventually says is, "I've become the thing that I'm trying to fight. I've become the lawless man." That something like the whole episode. There's this. There's this thing of order. But once Jamie covers for him, then he's just like la di da. Well, that stinks that I gave him a soldier's death. I think for those few moments, he was really nervous. Jamie and the regulators could have reprimanded him and he could have gotten slapped on the wrist. Obviously, nothing major would have happened to him. I doubt it. But he could have gotten in trouble. And I think he was worried for a hot second. But then after that, he changed his tune. I mean, just like many people in war can, can feel better about the fact that they kill an enemy because Mm -hmm. it was an enemy. But what, I don't know. I think there, it's it's a multi layered thing. Does he regret killing a regulator? No, I don't. But I think what he does regret is that he regressed into what he's been trying to combat. And when Jamie says to him, "You just killed a man without a fair trial. What are you doing?" There's there's honest regret there. There's 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 honesty there. I think he has a code uh, that he's just trying to do the right thing in terms of what he's trying to uphold. And again, and in the conversations with Jamie, he's not a bad guy. He's just, he's trying to, he's trying to give money to the people. He's trying to, we have a, we have a duty to help these people. This guy would not be my friend. I'm not saying he's the best person on this planet. He ain't the best person on this planet. But the only reason why any of this stuff with Knox works on any level is the tension that's created because of Jamie's relationship to the guys that are the prisoners. Jamie has, it, those were the guys that were he tried to convince to help settle the ridge. Mm-hmm. The tent, the implied tension, well, not even implied, but the actual tension of these two recognizing Jamie, Jamie recognizing them, mm-hmm. knowing that they're part of the regulators, knowing that they know who he is and his relationship to Murta, the whole thing, it is very intense. And that's the only reason why the stuff with Knox works, because again, you have to you have to measure it against that tension, and which is one more reason why keeping Murta alive and having him be the head of the regulators is the absolute right choice. How much longer do you think Murta will be alive for? Uh, I say by halfway through the season, he's okay. dead. Uh, because I think the regulator thing has to has to. You can only do so much when it comes to this regulator thing, in my opinion, in terms of TV. And you have too many things happening. You have the regulators and you have Bonnet. You have Tryon. You have all of these things all happening at once. The regulators have to get results because you can only stretch it out for so long. Because, I mean, the the rebellion of the regulators wasn't all that long to begin with. So how are you going to stretch it over the entire season, right? Eventually, there's going to be the Battle of Alamance. Eventually. Spoiler alert. Okay. It's going to happen. 
All right. And once it happens, that's going to be the end of Murta in some way. That's going to be the end of him in one way or another. And, uh, and because it's progressing so quickly, I guarantee you it happens at about halfway through the season. And then the rest of the season will be dedicated to the fallout with Tryon and the, the fallout with Stephen Bonnet and, his, and how he's going to interact with Roger and Bree. Guaranteed. Get, put, Larson, capital G, Garantos. Okay, right there. Uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, but the tension of it all, the tension of it all is what makes it right. And it actually quite reminded me, remember the movie The Town? No. No, um, the one with Jeremy Renner and Ben Affleck and they're in Boston, they're in Charlestown? Nope. Uh, well, there's the scene where the guy, the girl that Ben Affleck is dating, uh, they robbed her, essentially. They they robbed her. They they And she recognizes a tattoo on Jeremy Renner's like the back of his neck mm-hmm. but she doesn't see it because they eventually have lunch with her and Jeremy Renner and Ben Affleck are sitting there even though they just robbed this girl recently uh, and Affleck sees the tattoo on Renner's neck and he and he knows that the girl is going to recognize Renner any minute as if she sees this tattoo so he comes and he covers it up with his hand mm-hmm. and he brings him in for a hug and the whole thing that tension there was excellent and I got the same feeling uh, of Jamie with the with the prisoners oh, okay um and that's what makes that work um the last thing i think i want to talk about and I, I can't wait to get your opinion on this is the whole bonnet thing did you like the fact that they tagged it on at the end or do you think it was out of place i mean i'll let you know at the end of this season i don't know okay i as I said, it it made me feel anxious. So I, I'm fine with it in the sense that this episode was very different than what I was expecting it to be. Um, and I've taken a, a lot of deep breaths and just removed what I thought it was going to be. And I've just tried to watch it as its own thing away from the books. Um, so to be able, it, it made me very anxious and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm... I think that Ed Spilliers is so good at being bad. Ed Spilliers is that awesome. He is freaking awesome. I enjoy awesome. seeing him on screen. Oh, he's great. And putting this little blip in there yep. for me was, it did what it, it they were hoping to accomplish. I, I totally agree. And it, it almost kind of reminded me of a stinger at the end of a Marvel movie. You know, you had the credits and the credits come and the whole thing and then there's like this one thing that they wanted to put in the movie but they couldn't so they put it at the end of the credits and it, it relates to the story but it propels the story forward uh, and it's but it's not directly involved and that's what this felt like to me it felt like a Marvel stinger where it's Ooh, like yes. guess who's here still and fantastically fabulously dressed right and I think there's a logic issue here where it was like this guy was just in Wilmington he was going to be hanged recently right and he had to escape. That was the part of season mm-hmm. four that we saw of of of, of Bonnet. And that's how they met the, the Frasers and all the whole thing. I think the logic thing here, the logic jump that we have to make is this guy's now in bed with the most powerful people in Wilmington. And he is helping them get their goods without having the king's tax. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he's a made man. He's protected now. Just kind of like how Black Jack Randall was protected with the Duke of Sandringham. Bonnet's protected with the people that are running the town. And once that happens, all your debts... Can't Marta just catch him and tar and feather him <laughs> and kill him? God, I, I loved the the um, the uh, 
tar all, and feathering. All the tar and feathering and made me so uncomfortable burn, to watch. And all that stuff. Like I feel oh. like it lasted a little longer than I needed it nope, to. Nope, nope. It was right on the mark. It was <laughs> right on the mark. You remember remember in seasons past when they were showing all the dudes uh, getting hanged? Yep. And, and and you saw the guy with the eyes and the whole thing and it's just hanging there. Yep. Yeah. I don't need that. You have to be reminded as a viewer that this is not a safe place. No. It's not fun. And that Murta is a man who could kill. Yeah, and, and that shows you how angry Murta really is. Remember the Duke of Sandringham? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Murta is not cuddly. No. He is not the fairy king yep. that we thought he was last episode. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, so by the way, get your fairy king shirt at the Marion Blake yes, store. Yes, yes. Um, uh, among many other things, too. It's some Lord, fantastic Lord John shirts also, too, by the way. Uh, Marvin, you got anything else that you want to talk about for this episode? Not right now. I'm still, as I said, I've taken a lot of thought in digesting it, mm-hmm. and I am excited to see how this episode veers off for the rest of the season. Yeah, they've done a good job propelling this I'm interested story. to see, because I feel like this is an, this will be an important puzzle piece for the season. Mm-hmm. So as much as it was not what I was expecting, I can see some of the directions they're going, and I'm interested to see how those directions pan out. Yep. All right. Uh, Outlandish Theory time. I love this outlandish theory. I'm okay. so excited. About All right. It. You want to know why? Because um, <laughs> it's yours? Because it's mine, obviously, <laughs> and, I, and I'm Batman. Okay. Um, no, I, I think this is really good because I, I think it has to deal with the central relationships of what the show is trying to portray at this very moment, which is this. Roger knows and at least admits to the fact that Jamie has no respect for him. He, he even says to Bree, your, your father is my cuckold. Like, like I your father doesn't respect me. He doesn't, I'm not even sure if he likes me all that much. Um, he does like him. I know, but you have to look at it from Roger's perspective, at least within the sh- with the context of the show. And Roger really has no idea what the hell he's doing. And he needs someone to teach him what to do. It can't be Bree. It can't be Bree because that's going to further emasculate him. And I'm not saying that he, she shouldn't teach him. I'm just saying as a man, it, it really, and as, as a show, it can't be her. So it has to be Jamie. It has to be Jamie because Roger needs his respect. And not only that, on top of not having Jamie's respect, he's got this thing now where he knows about Stephen Bonnet and he's going to find out that Stephen Bonnet's alive one way or another. So my my theory on this is Roger's going to get all the training that he's going to get from Jamie. Jamie's going to help him out and he's going to teach him all the cool stuff that he's supposed to learn. And he, you know what? He's probably going to do like pretty good at it. Like, like how to kill a bear. Like he's, <laughs> he's probably going to do pretty good at it. The problem is he's going to over, he's, he's like Luke Skywalker in Empire Strikes Who Back. Who is like Luke Skywalker? Uh, Roger. Roger. He's okay. gonna, he, like Luke thought he was a Jedi, but he, he wasn't no Jedi. No. Roger thinks that he's going to be a Jedi. I don't think Roger thinks that at all. I think Roger knows well, where after, he's at and well, he wants after, to go home. After the training, he, he's going to think he's a Jedi. He ain't no Jedi. And he's going to go and he's going to confront Bonnet. And Bonnet is going to hand him his butt. And it's going to be a problem. And that's why it was so important to see Bonnet fight the guy during the girl fights. During like the, the, the fight club, the girl fight club. Because you need to know that Bonnet is very singularly dangerous. He's so dangerous. He's like a scorpion. He's very singularly talented. And Roger is going to go up against this guy. And it's going to be Darth Vader versus Luke. That's what it's going to be. And he, Roger will, will be lucky if he doesn't get his hand cut off, just like Luke. That, he'll, he'll be lucky. 
And the reason why he probably won't get his hand cut off is because Jamie will have to save him. And Jamie will take him back and it will further um, it will further the danger for Bree of being in this time. And she's going to have this real choice to make. Do I stay back in time or do I go back to the future? So in the end, that's what's going to happen. Well, that's an interesting theory, Blake. I will completely give you an interesting. Thank you. Mock me. Please hang up and try again. All right. So that's that. That's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for everybody for listening. And uh, make sure you uh, always, again, check us out, maryandblake.com. Yes. Uh, any final thoughts for this episode, Marvin? Anything that you got? Anything that you're looking forward you know, to? As I said, um, this episode, had people either loved it or they hated it. And it's been very interesting to see where people lay, um, where, they, where they are on that barometer. Um, but I'm excited for next week. Yes. I think next week... First off, Jamie and Claire are going to be back together. And it's always great when they're back together. Yes. <laughs> so and Hopefully she won't be doing... Hopefully we, the we, body will be gone by then. <laughs> it's going to smell so much. Um, but I'm, there's a lot of things that they put into place right now. Marsley. Um, things that, you know... I'm 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 interested to see where it goes. I'm interested to see where it goes. We trust these people with with the show. Um, as we go further into this season, Sam and Kat had more say. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've understood, they hadn't had as much say as we would have wanted them to have had the beginning part of the season, but sure. the latter part of the season they do. So I'm just interested to see where it goes. Sure, uh, I would say that this is not the. I I don't think this this episode is a representative of how the show will be. Only because there was so much. There was so much to get to. You have four or five separate stories that you have to start. You know, the, the, the premiere was one thing. That's its own entity. But now you have to get into the real guts of telling the story for season five. And episode two is what begins it all. It's a chess piece. And that chess piece was entertaining, but it can't exist on itself. You have to build on it. You have to get the people going forward. And uh, that's what I look forward to, hopefully, for the rest of this season. All right, Marvin, let's close this bad boy out and uh, tell everybody where to find us and All right. get in contact. Let's do it. So as Blake said, you can find us in a variety of places, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all by searching Mary and Blake or by heading straight to maryandblake.com. If you'd like to send us an email, you can at outlandercast at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on all the social media, you can do so. Just look up Mary. I just said oh, that. did you? A, a case of when hosts aren't listening, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. How about you tell people about the Outlander Cast clan? Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I need a sound for that. Would I? A case of when hosts aren't listening. Um, yes. Go to OutlanderCastClan.com, uh, where you can get all of the great, interesting, fun, cool swag and special perks that we give you as Mary and Blake and Outlander Cast. Whether it is uh, Blake's book club or it is. Uh, special after doc episodes all of those things can be found at outlandercastclan.com you can uh, become a member for as little as two dollars a month or as high as thirty dollars a month or even higher i'll take i'll take 300 a month it doesn't matter to me if you if you're willing to give it i'm willing to take it um but yeah go to outlandercastclan.com and become a member there 
thank you. Miss it out. Uh, we want to especially thank our patrons at our most generous levels: our associate producers Angie, Carolyn, Celine, Don, Diane, Jeffrey, Jennifer, Marilyn, Maureen, Patricia, Siobhan, and Valerie, mm-hmm. as well as our co-producers Amanda, Ann, Lee, Barbara, Dana, Dieta, Janet, Keelan, Lori, Ellen, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Rita, Sharon, Tina, and Whitney. And last but certainly not least, our executive producers Anne, Bobby, D, Jen, Katie, Kirsty, Martha, Nadra, Peg, and Sarah. Thank you to all of those people for being a part of uh, the Outlander Cast Clan. Uh, we're we're very happy to have you. And remember, because you are part of the Outlander Cast Clan, especially for you co-producers and executive producers, you will get. Uh, first rights to the finale party that we'll, we'll be having in May and even if you become an executive producer you will have VIP access to Mary and I and all the staff and all the things that we're doing at the finale party mm-hmm. so please consider that while you are there those of you who listen to Outlander Cast through your podcast app of choice head on over to the reviews section of that podcast app and click not just the stars but possibly take a moment to leave a sentence or two as a rating or review we want to thank Annoy on iTunes for saying Miriam Blake I love your podcast Thank although you. I just discovered your podcast recently I enjoy listening to all of your old episodes oh. after rewatching the old seasons uh-huh. while while they were in Droughtlander currently in medical school and this has been helping me get through it all so keep up the great work Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Having those reviews on your podcast apps help other Outlander fans learn about Outlander Cast. That's right. And remember, just go to MarianBlake.com to check out all of the podcasts that we do, including This Is Us 2, uh, Game of Thrones, um, Hamilton, The Crown, uh, a lot of different stuff that is happening there. Check out all the blogs that we have going on over there. And that's that. Yes. I think that's all we got for this one. So, everyone, if you are already not a member of the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering on Facebook, please feel free to join it. You can also join the Outlander Cast Clan Book Club if you're someone who's read The Fiery Cross and or beyond. We would love to have you there. Just let us know by answering the three questions that you found out about us through the podcast. That would be amazing. And for now, my name's Mary. My name's Blake. And you have been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>